Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The Square Ball Podcast. To buy the Square Ball magazine, get back issues and podcasts, visit thesquareball.net. In this edition of the Square Ball Podcast, we talk to part-time football manager and full-time rock and roll star Simon Ricks from the Kaiser Chiefs. We throw tellies out of our Beeston hotel room with Ken, trying to hit the poor folk. And we turn the volume up to 11, fretting over our recent matches. Hello and welcome to edition six of the Square Ball Podcast. Uh, today's podcast, officially a rock and roll edition, as we're going to be joined by Simon from the Kaiser Chiefs. All that to come a little bit later on. First, let me introduce the members of our particular band. Uh, I'm Dan Moylan on lead vocals. Uh, on lead guitar, Michael Normanson. Hello. Uh, playing bass today, Daniel Chapman, better known as Moscow White. Hi there. <laughs> and to flog the analogy completely to death, on drums, Paul O'Dowd, the man known as Oddie. Hello. Uh, welcome along, chaps. First up, big thank you for downloading and subscribing to the podcast uh, to you. We've been honestly genuinely blown away by the download figures, doing very, very well in the iTunes chart. Uh, the figures now running into thousands and thousands. Uh, and thank you as well uh, for the positive reviews we've got on iTunes. Um, I think all of them so far have been five star. Uh, and, and it does make me feel a little bit warm and fluffy inside when I read them. And I would like to give a little cuddle to everyone who's uh, been kind to us on the reviews. It's taken me ages to register all those email accounts to, <laughs> to write the reviews, but I think it's been worth it. Uh, if you would like to write a positive review for us, uh, drop us an email, uh, give us your address, and we'll stick a fiver in the post for you. And speaking of uh, podcast subscribers, I have to draw uh, the rest of your attention to one person who I know to be a subscriber of the podcast. And I'm not sure how comfortable we all are going to be with this, but he's actually a Manchester. United fan, uh, guy who's my stepbrother. Has he bought a green and yellow scarf yet? No, because he doesn't go to the games. So, yeah. <laughs> it's a proper man you fan, then. Yeah. I respect. Well, I, I just all about the figures, really. You know, <laughs> if they all want to, if they all want to give us a, a kick up the chart, then fine. <laughs> If you are a supporter of a rival team and you are listening to this podcast, we'd love to hear from you especially as to exactly why you bother. Drop us an email to podcast at squareball.net. I presume they're just listening for our, our magnetic personalities and um, witty banter. In a similar vein, last time out, uh, we asked for any far-flung listeners uh, to get in touch with us, and they, they certainly did, literally in their ones. Patrick Ford, via the Facebook page, said, uh, Keep up the good work, lads. I always listen uh, overlooking Aberdeen Harbour in Hong Kong. Gives a mention, Leeds, Leeds, Leeds. So there we go, we've done that. 
Surprised the uh, Chinese government allowed this sort of thing through. He's not in China, he's in Hong Kong. Is that not part of China these days? Separate, isn't it? Isn't it separate? No. Didn't we give it? We give it back to China. Yeah. It used to be British, and we gave him it back. 1997, <laughs> I think you'll find. Yeah. Chris Patton. Yeah, I'm just writing an apology just write to Patrick. Apologize. Patrick Ford, where are you in the world? So yeah, we've we've, we've beaten the censors. Right. The, the censors. Uh, pen, as it were. It wasn't the only message we got. It, hardly maybe the exotic locations we were looking for, but um, I said I'd give it a plug, because, you know, this guy was... It was good to us trying to promote the T-shirts on the Facebook group. Um, trying to promote the Sussex and Surrey Supporters Club, which they're trying to get together. Um, so... He didn't actually leave a contact email, which is, is a problem in this great plan, but email podcast at squareball.net and I'll forward it on through. <laughs> That's very good of you. Uh, someone else who did get in touch on the Facebook page, Matthew Tootill, said, uh, best one yet, I reckon, I think referring to the, to the last podcast, uh, actually learned something, which was quite nice. So we are providing an educational service, which I'm pleased to say. The licence fees being very well spent. On, oh, no, we're actually not funded by them. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> But he also said, uh, down with Bates and down with capitalism, so... Uh... It's a view we can all support, and it's a view that we're promoting, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe inadvertently. Uh, and finally getting in touch via all these these fancy multimedia things. Uh, LUFC Race on Twitter has told us to stop calling it a pod. We've got to give it its full title, apparently, a podcast. He's right. Oh, uh, Only an idiot could disagree with that point of view. Dan? I do disagree slightly, yeah. As I replied to him on Twitter, what's wrong with being Yorkshire and economising on your use of letters and just saying pod instead of podcast? It doesn't cost you anything to say, but you're not charged by the syllable. OK, contact us, podcast, at thesquareball.net, and of course find us on Facebook and Twitter. We would love to hear from you. Right, we'll get into part number one then, which by now I'm sure you know is white watching, where we look back at the last couple of weeks uh, that the uh, the Whites have been up to. And another fortnight closer to the finish line, a win, a draw and a loss further on taking in the Brentford game the Tranmere win and the defeat at Southampton right another fortnight closer to the end how do we feel chaps indifferent <laughs> is it just anybody else just want it to be over now yeah yeah, yeah. When somebody said that there's still a quarter of the season still to go or something, it's like, bloody hell. Let's reduce the number of teams, 18 at maximum. <laughs> I don't care if we don't have 92 league clubs anymore. Well, first up, of it. <laughs> first up, the Brentford game, and after that game was the first time I was ready to accept that we weren't going up. I, I'd resigned myself to, to the playoffs at that point. And, of course, they, uh, they change your mind, don't they, as, as time goes on. You, you swing backwards and forwards. But I, I officially gave up on Leeds. Uh, after Brentford, I think you're right. Brentford was just a miserable afternoon. There was no, I mean, you, you got a point at the end of it, but there was really very little that made you feel excited or happy or joyous to be alive in in, in Leeds. We were definitely. It was an improvement, I think, to be fair, on what had gone before it. But we just didn't quite have the edge that we had seemed to have earlier in the season. I don't think partly it's maybe luck. It just it just didn't seem to quite break for us. Just missed a few chances and we did have that. Final ball, I don't think. The killer pass. Yeah, I mean, they, just, when they scored, they'd had virtually nothing all game. Um, so it was, But that's when you feel everything's going against you, really, when uh, stuff like that happens. Again, when you look at the scoreline, you see Beckford, 75 minutes. It's not even an exciting equaliser, not a last-minute rush of, of hysteria and ecstasy. Just, yeah, we, we got a goal back with a quarter of an hour to go. Couldn't get a winner. Nobody cared. Went home cried a bit 
gave up on promotion. I think the thing earlier in the season we'd have won that game one 0 because we seemed really solid defensively in the early part of the season, and we didn't have to necessarily play well to win games. But the solidity does seem to have disappeared to a large extent now. So we one goal isn't enough to win his games anymore. Well, just as we were all getting ready to give up following Tuesday. <laughs> Uh, Tranmere one leads four Beckford scoring again back to scoring form second goal was a good one wasn't it uh, perhaps a suggestion that uh, it was playing up to the fact that David Moyes and or Alan Stubbs were in the crowd and there's talk of him uh, signing for Everton you know well it's just typical Leeds after the uh, Brentford game and you're all doom and gloom and then a really good win playing well and then on to Southampton and it <laughs> were, were Tranmere that bad or were we that good well, I think it just shows how what a tin pot league this is because Tranmere beat Southampton, who'd stuffed three teams. Was it three teams five nil in a row? Yeah. Uh, and then Tranmere turned them over. Anyone can beat anyone, and they do, and it's very frustrating. You'd call it tin pot, I think. Lord Merwin, you might call it competitive. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> because our two games against Tranmere this year have been so one-sided, I almost wonder if it's just one of those clashes somehow of where our playing style is just perfectly suited to how they play or something you know like how Arsenal traditionally struggle against Stoke and I don't know if there's some, something in their makeup that just allows us to uh, absolutely take them apart but they were, they were just terrible again I wasn't I mean, aware that yeah. Tramia had a playing style <laughs> that's, 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 so they're improving in that respect don't make us do the whole John Barnes <laughs> no, no. the rap needs Thing to again. become signed yeah. to the last <laughs> podcast I think and we were lucky again apparently Four yeah. lucky girls, oh, where's, yeah. where's that coming from? Four lucky girls, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I described him in the last pod as pod, not podcast, as um, as being an idiot who wears shorts all the time. I stand by that That's, opinion. That hasn't changed. <laughs> and tell us about your drinking adventures with the Tramia game. Anything you can fill in with us, Michael? No, it was, it was steady in way. No, it was all right. It was all right. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's worse stories to come from Southampton. Yeah, well, it, that, this was my segue into Southampton. Yeah, obviously we lost 1-0. Pretty comprehensive defeat. Disappointing the way we sort of capitulated. But uh, tell us about your drinking first. Well, I wasn't I wasn't the worst culprit here at all. Um, there was some talk of trying to drink fifty strongbow on the way there and back, um, which then went wrong. Fifty. Yeah, between a car of four. All oh, right, I was thinking like two of you then. No, no, no. That that would be a bit too silly. But um, yeah, one of my mates managed to do that. Then a few sambukas, a few double Jack Daniels before the game, and then didn't get didn't get let in the ground. Um, was told to go away, but then kept trying to get in. Ended up in a police cell. Was it the fact that he was trying to climb the fence? <laughs> uh, he ended up telling the stewards that they were all puppets of Ken Bates, um, and then we had to go pick him up from a police cell and wait there until half past eight. Which was a, a great end to a great day. But you were you staying in Southampton that night? No, you were no. driving back. Yeah, coming back that night. Oh, God. My mate who was driving as well had driven down from Newcastle that oh, morning. God. So he was delighted. <laughs> but on the plus side, we had a very nice curry while we were waiting. Excellent. I, I went in a really gritty pub and played some table football, so <laughs> yeah, it could have been worse. Anything to report from the game then? Yeah, it was just crap. It yeah. was really bad. That first half, we were so lucky to be a, a goal down. Um, Eddie White, who I think... I certainly was calling for in the last podcast got <laughs> ripped to bits um, Do you think it was a mistake playing playing up against Punchin? It possibly was In, I mean I've mainly been in favour of playing him at, at home against teams where, that we should really be looking to kind of comfortably win against um, but yeah against someone who's a kind of a renowned performer in this league it was maybe a bit risky um, and when Bromby came on for um, and Hughes went to left back we'd looked a hell of a lot better 
Um, McSheffrey also needs a bit of a slagging off for not providing any cover to him though at all. He just, he's, he's a left winger who just stands on the halfway line. He plays almost like a forward, but at the side of the pitch, which is so frustrating when he should really have had the respect for his teammates to think, oh, he's getting absolutely taken apart every time he runs at him. I'll get back and double up, but no effort made at all. There does seem to have been a feature of the rest of the team yelling at McSheffrey to do things or try and get him to do things in quite a few games and then I think one of the things they could maybe yell at him to do is go back to Birmingham do you think he regrets it a little bit do you think he regrets it yeah he said after the first game didn't he that um, he, it was a bit of a, a, a stark reality that he found himself in you know League One and do you think he's kind of thinking oh I don't really fancy this yeah maybe and he should maybe man up admit it and leave if that's his his real attitude because <laughs> um, I'd have no problem with that a few people have been criticising Simon Grayson for signing him in the first place which I think is unfair because there is really no reason why you would expect Gary McSheffrey to play this badly in in this division so it's got to just come down to him he's, he's clearly good enough just for some reason he either can't be arsed or he can't cope but he's not he's not doing it and if uh, AD White you can you can allow him to get away with that because he's a kid and, and he'll have bad games against really good players and we've got a bit of a weird thing where everybody wants him in the team and I think he's good enough to be in the team but maybe he shouldn't have played against Southampton but then with only uh, like a dozen games to go to the end of the season pulling him in and out of the team all the time you want to keep some consistency so you don't really know what to do and it may be that just leaving him out for the rest of the season sticking with the more brutal playing style of Andy Hughes might help us more credit to Andy Hughes actually because he was probably our best player on Saturday actually and again he's, he's a central midfielder playing right back then left back and he just gets shifted about everywhere but he fair play to him he's, uh, he does a decent job and he, he showed really how defensive players as much about positioning as it is pace because White is one of our quickest players but he didn't stop punching going past him every single time Is there an argument for getting Hughes into midfield keep White at left back Andy Hughes in the middle kicking arse if it's in place of housing yes because <laughs> frankly I'd take anyone instead of housing at the minute he's frustrating me enormously to go back to McSheff for a minute though actually he was better against Brentford and Tranmere than um, he had been previously but then it was a return to form really in the uh, in the well, it's worrying game. that he's maybe turning it on against the lesser teams that he's finding it easier against than maybe the, the, the big games when we need him to stand up and be counted you know and his premiership so-called premiership quality we could ask the same with Beckford and what you hinted out with him performing maybe for the scouts at Tramway because his goal was beautiful and not only that but his um, I really enjoyed the goal he set up for Becky I thought his cross was lovely and then um, I've been I've been missing diving headers for a while it was nice to see <laughs> Luciano just flying through and putting that one in even though he probably could have volleyed it um, which made it even better in a way but we do need those players to be doing it all the time and there's not long to go so just to pick you up on something you said about the attackers mm. then um, one of the criticisms that seems to be coming in towards Beckford is a sort of lack of effort and uh, and he's not sticking himself around a bit is this fair because he's not that sort of player and people say well he should be this sort of player he should put himself about a bit but he's not is he he's, he, he plays on the shoulder of the last man mm. and do we have to turn our attention to midfield which brings us back to what you said Michael uh, about them not getting service from midfield because Becky has a good hold up man but he needs to interchange with the midfielders uh, and then Beckford needs service he needs through balls from the likes of Kilkenny doesn't he people seem to criticise him for not being a target man sometimes like not winning headers against you know 
big centre backs. I know Beckford's not small himself, but that doesn't change the fact that that's not really his his game. It's not what he does. Um, just in the same way as against Brentford, we brought on Paul Dickov and continued to for some reason smash high balls to him, even though he's a bloody ancient midget. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> I think we need to look at certain players and recognise the limitations and uh, and play around that. But is, is this a managerial limitation that we, we don't have a plan B in a way that teams come and close us down, force us to play longer, um, and, and we don't seem to have a, another way around it? We don't seem to have the players to get around it. They don't seem... The midfielders don't seem to be able to adapt. Um, and it's all very well. I wouldn't be surprised if during a the game they are yelling at Housen to stop just punting it at Dickov. And then the next thing you'll do is you'll get the ball, look around and just punt it at Dickov. And maybe it's um, it's a regret that we didn't sign a midfielder in January. We didn't sign a Jason Punchin or somebody like that that's, that can play um, more than one kind of football. I, you'd obviously take Beck, Beckford's goals every time, but is is there an argument now that we're seeing unfold a little bit? Obviously, he keeps scoring, but we should have cashed in on him, and if we'd have got one point eight two million for him, spent it on three or four players to to bolster the squad. It wouldn't have been spent though. That's the fact. <laughs> it just wouldn't have been spent. We'd have got we'd have got Gradlin, and he'd have probably gone. Oh, he's he's quick. He's the same as Beckford, which he's not at all. He's got absolutely no like positional discipline, hasn't Gradlin, to, to play up front, as we've seen when he's attempted to play him there. And it, when it, he brought him on Saturday as well, and he was very well. He, first of all, he nearly got sent off within about five seconds of coming on. He managed to push someone in the face. It was Harding, wasn't it? Which I, I just had my head in my hands. Really, I was thinking he's going to get sent off here. Within, I don't. I think the ball had just been thrown into play or something, into someone down on the floor, and Gradle steaming around like he was in Carlisle. And I just <laughs> thought, oh, Christ, why did we not realise what it was like? <laughs> <laughs> All right, then. So you know what? I started off this this fortnight after the Brentford game, thinking that's it. I've had enough. But do you know what? Even after Southampton, I'm, I've kind of I'm a lot more positive about promotion because of the other teams around us. Because I think there was a feeling we half expected to lose the Southampton game, um, but we're still in the same position at the end of the match that we were in at three pm. We're five points clear, one less game to play. The gap still remains the same, but there are less games in which to a make bit it nearer up. They? Yeah, the goal. So as we were saying, it just feels like. A miserable counting down of weeks and games, and every every time you think you're right, there's only 11 games left, there's only 10 games left, and if as long as we can just keep the points, the problem is there's there's teams like now Millwall seems to have somehow come into it. We weren't even when we started these pods, we weren't even talking about Millwall. They were about ninth in the league, um, and all of a sudden they put together a run of form, and now we're looking over our shoulders, thinking, well, when when we inevitably lose to them on Monday, they'll be three points behind <laughs> us. I think now that there might be a case of we're not going to necessarily put together a run of form to the end of the season. I think we're going to win a few, lose a couple, maybe draw a couple, and it's going to be that nervy finish. I don't think there's going to be any pattern of winning um, that we, we come to hope for from the first part of the season. I, I just don't think we've got the momentum to, to get that going again. I don't like the sound of that. Well, I just sell for winning some games. Yeah. I've given up on a else. romp it over the line, as I thought we were going to at the turn of the year. We'll stumble uh, like a punch drunk idiot. I can't yeah. believe how far ahead of the Norwich you've got when I remember the gap we had and the games in hand that we had that we all very cheerfully just said, well, two games in hand, that's another six points we can <laughs> add to our uh, our clear lead. And, uh, and, you know, there was, I think it was probably about October that all the discussion about how we'd do in the Championship began. And it's just and changed. We'd be promoted by March. Yeah. yeah. Right at the start of the year, we... 
in the first issue when we interviewed Richard Naylor we asked him about if there was any chance of having a good full season because we've had two good half scenes, seasons and he said yes he so. didn't he was fairly non-committal I would say <laughs> he said, he said, that's what we hoped for he said we were aiming to win the league and if we don't I'm going to fight him <laughs> and, and, he, and lose and, and he will win oh he will win yeah <laughs> uh, speaking of fighting then uh, next couple of games coming up Leeds Millwall Norwich Leeds two massive and crucial games we'll come on to them in part four we'll end part number one there and we'll return in a moment with part number two Welcome back to the Square Ball Podcast, part number two now. Coming up in part three, Simon from the Kaiser Chiefs is going to be joining us on the phone. Uh, first, we'll get through part two, the talking points from the last fortnight. Uh, where shall we start then? I guess the big news, season ticket renewal prices uh, have been out. Uh, we've got a, uh, a four-page full-colour spread in the new issue of the Square Ball magazine. Uh, very good and interesting rant by David Hopkins at Jockstrap, the guy who's written that. I don't think that's his real name. Um that's in the in the forthcoming issue of the Square Ball. Who do I want to turn to first then on this? Who's got something to say about these uh, these year season ticket renewals? Uh, a little bit of research, uh, just looking at a, a couple of teams. Uh, Burnley for one, with Bates highlighting them as being a model of a club that can get into the Premiership without spending a lot of money. Uh, two thousand eight and two thousand nine, which I do I know a couple of Burnley fans. The season ticket they bought for that season. Uh, if the club went up, which they did, they got a free free season ticket in the Premiership, and there was seven thousand fans that took out that deal. I think that's stupid, though. It is <laughs> stupid. It happens, it's <laughs> I think it's a poor business model, yeah. to be honest. It was one of the things. <laughs> but that's I think. similar to the Cardiff thing, yeah. where Risdale was trying to get money in now. They promised it, thinking it would never happen. Though. Yeah, that's right. Just yeah. like me offering to fight Richard Naylor. If I thought that was actually <laughs> going to happen, I, I clearly wouldn't say it. We can and make please that welcome happen. tonight's special guest. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I can't see I can't see Ken opts in for that. Sometimes. No, it was a stupid idea, but and something they didn't plan on happening. But um, both Burnley and Chef Wednesday are offering free kids tickets. I was speaking to a Southampton fan um, on Saturday as well in the pub, and he was saying that he was with his um, his kid, and he said it, that came free with his ticket, which is which came is free with his <laughs> ticket. <laughs> That's generous. But, which, but that's how I that's how I had my first season ticket as well. I, my dad got one in the family stand, and I had a free ticket. Yeah. Mm. Um, and to be honest, he ruined my life by giving <laughs> me that free ticket. Uh, I could have been happy. I could have had loads more money. But I mean, that's that's the way kids are introduced to football. They don't they're not going to suddenly turn eighteen. I don't think and decide they're going to start spending four hundred, five hundred quid on a season ticket. It's something you need to get people doing from a young age I think you could tell Ken a bit like smoking <laughs> <laughs> you could tell Ken's attitude towards that from the start because one of the first things he did was clamp down on the family stand because he had nice seats yeah. so they, they, shouldn't, they shouldn't have such a good view get them shifted and you well, just knew from that point it's, it's... again uh, you know I'm sort of loath to defend Ken Bates at any great length but I think there's a certain amount of sense in that I don't necessarily agree with the pricing policy in no. East Stand Central but I do see that maybe the family stand shouldn't have the box seats in the whole stadium you know because they are the finest in the ground, aren't they? But just as a apart from legroom wise, where you can't even even being five foot eight, I really struggle to shoehorn myself into them. <laughs> it's not never been the same since they got rid of the low fields and put a bunch of bloody children in the way. But it just <laughs> but when the first thing he did was move them, it's like uh, Kevin Keegan getting rid of a reserve team. It's like you just think, no, your your thinking is all wrong. One thing as well we do with in relation to um, pricing concessions, we don't differentiate at all between a two-year-old and a 
15-year-old. I think it's not unfair to expect dads to take little kids who, who don't really watch the game, to be fair. They just sort of will mainly swing on the chair and eat some sweets and... Carry wagon wheels around. And stuff. Yeah. yeah. I know, it's I, unfair for them to pay the same as a 15-year-old who's going to be properly watching the game and, and getting into drunk. it. Drunk. <laughs> Sniffing glue. Quite possibly. <laughs> Driving there in my car that they've nicked. Sat on Graham Rix's knee. <laughs> Is it is that not a, a symptom of a lack of long termism then that you know that there seems to be this lack of trying to hook people in from this, the very young age you know and almost writing the the cost and the fact that they're taking up a seat you know at that age Cause it's not like the ground's full every week is it yeah he's seventy nine. I guess is one argument for that for looking at longevity but then he wants to build bloody hotels if for the next <laughs> ten years so I think he's just he's got a strange policy of thinking no one can have anything for free off me but. He doesn't realise, I don't think that... Well, I don't know, maybe he does You've got to give, he a little, he give a little to get a lifetime he, of support back. Exactly, yeah. he doesn't seem to realise that it doesn't operate on a standard business model. It doesn't... Like, if it was on a standard business model, no one would go because the product's crap and it's expensive. And you'd think at 79 years old and with his, his long history of running football clubs, that message of every year... Because I don't imagine his uh, season ticket prices at Chelsea could ever have been particularly mild increases... And yet it's never occurred to him that all these angry people every year might have a point. The other quote about it all that annoyed me in the press was um, it was Sean Harvey had been sent out to spin out this line about the reason it, um, tickets have to be expensive is because £3 for every match ticket has to go towards paying the cost of renting Thorpe Arch and renting the ground. But are they actually expecting us to believe then that if we buy them back at some stage, they will then take £3 off every ticket. Well, he explicitly <laughs> stated that they would, didn't he, in that interview? And he was quoted as sort of saying we could adjust the prices accordingly. How much is the rent on Thorpe Arch? And, um, I think it's about half a million a year and, and going up. In the, the quote in the paper was it's £2 million to rent them both. Right. Well, didn't Ken Bates' legal battle supposedly yeah. you know, run into a uh, cost of a million and a half? If, and if so, that's, that's two quid on every ticket. The, the positive thing to note, obviously, is if we don't go up... Um, we will be given free tickets for Johnson's paint trophy matches. I mean, why, why wouldn't you? So not? I almost <laughs> hope we stay down. <laughs> <laughs> Those glamour nights against Grimsby, Accrington, oh, awesome days I remember all my life. <laughs> but the thing is, as well, it's possible we won't get any free tickets because we might get drawn away in the League Cup and the Johnson's paint and get knocked out. And it, then it's a pretty poor justification, isn't it? It's it's awful, really. They'll still probably charge a one pound fifty booking fee to everyone as well. <laughs> On to something else related to uh, the administration of the club. When I say administration, I don't mean the, the going bust kind, I mean the the people who run it. Um, the recent programme notes from uh, from Mr Chairman and uh, his comments in Leeds, Leeds, Leeds magazine. Um, we've got a reaction to this in Ken's Corner in the forthcoming in Square Ball, but somebody, uh, if anybody who's not familiar with what Ken's been saying recently, does somebody want to shed some light on this? Well, in, in Leeds, 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 it was an interview where he was basically justifying not spending money by saying look at all these premiership teams that are there that got there without spending any real money um, and the, the examples he gave were teams who either had spent money or had spent about 80 years trying to be promoted um, so I'm, I'm going on that I'm not overly keen on his uh, on his ideas because you've seen teams like you know teams like Wigan and Birmingham have got there without spending money but they have they've spent an absolute fortune to get there they've spent get Birmingham spent four million pounds on Gary McSheffrey <laughs> <laughs> the other things he mentioned was that all these other teams have got hotels and he was the first to do it but they, again the list of teams he gives is like a full of shit teams that you just think is that really what we want to be aiming for he doesn't missing in their absence other than Chelsea are any good teams that actually win things 
Another thing in the um, the Leeds 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 interview was was just his general sort of bluster that he always goes through about when I came to the club it was in a terrible state both on and off the pitch and I thought Ken do you not realise you've taken us into administration again and had us relegated and you've got the cheek to, to say it was a disgrace when you came in I don't I don't personally see that things have massively improved to any degree that we can actually see he has just got his planning permission through for the um, to extend the the conference facilities so it's not been it's not been a total loss if we don't go up this season there's been some some success yeah, he seemed to judge his success on the fact that he's replaced carpets in corporate areas and built Billy's Bar which is not if it's not the mark of a club I wouldn't say really but. if he's if it was on his to-do list at the start of the year and now it's been crossed off he's quite justified in uh, in calling himself successful looking at that from a more serious angle though all these things are probably fine and well on their own but we'd love to hear more about the playing side wouldn't we I think is this is this the main bugbear yeah completely He's, I don't mind I like having a nice bar at the ground Billy's bar's nice I think it's a good thing to have there but don't tell us that's good when the actual side that people really care about is shit and that's the main thing and his, his one statement really in the transfer window about the signing of Max Gradle was made through almost gritted teeth when he's moaning about the impact it would have on his champagne budget and, oh, we've, we've signed a player happy now <laughs> it's what you all wanted and so his, his attitude towards the football side and then when he's painting up Burnley and Wolves as the low spending ideal way to run a football club it does make you want to just bang your head off a wall um, the programme notes were just him like it was like some senile bloody grandparent rambling on about we shouldn't give all this money to the third world and global warming's a sham and <laughs> it was just it was just a general kind of uh, daily mail <laughs> article that he was somehow quoting the programme notes aggravated me a bit because whatever you think of his opinion I don't want to hear his opinion um, anyway and I don't want to see his opinion printed in the Leeds United match programme because perhaps there'll be a disclaimer to say that the views of Ken Bates do not rep- necessarily represent the support of Leeds United but it's got our club badge on it and it's been sold at our ground and um, if you want a magazine with forthright opinions to read at Elland Road I recommend the square ball <laughs> And screw him ranting on about begrudging children in Africa their water. Uh, so yeah, we were uh, we found ourselves in the press, or rather I did, uh, in David Conn's uh, very large article in the Guardian about the ownership uh, of Leeds United. Nothing really new in the article, but it was designed to sort of keep up the pressure, wasn't it, about um, trying to encourage transparency? But quite subtly manoeuvred back round towards the football league. I thought. Well, with. Um, Mohini leaving and Greg Clark coming in, one of the first things he has said is he wants um, to move to more transparency and he wants um, disclosure of who is doing what, which clubs, which is, it sounds like, Ken Bates' worst nightmare, almost as bad as getting into the Premier League, because then he would have to tell us as well. And so these things, these forces are, like I said, the pressure is increasing on him um, until he's going to actually have to end up saying those forbidden words... It's me. Whatever they yeah. <laughs> it's not me. Anyone who's read his programme notes though probably could accept the fact he's maybe not <laughs> not the sharpest <laughs> anymore. He could he could genuinely claim to have forgotten. I bet he puts his glasses down all the time and wanders around looking for them. So eventually they're brought back to him by a, a very thirsty African child. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's nice to see the magazine. Get a nice little uh, picture in the Guardian as well. Yeah, of course, yeah, because we've got a little square ball uh, That's right. front cover was put in the, in the middle of the Guardian, which is nice. Nice bit of uh, exposure. National advertising. Yeah. And it's only a pound. We also Apparently. featured. Did you see his feature on on the uh, BBC Inside Out documentary as well? Yes, I did. It was going to be a reconstruction of a criminal's house in this particular shop, but they opened a drawer and there was a, a copy of the magazine in there. I've no idea. If, if you're listening and you were somehow responsible for doing it, just well done. Uh, yeah, this was on BBC uh, Yorkshire and Lincolnshire, wasn't it? It's yeah, worth, that's worth right. specifying for anybody who's not in the region or hasn't seen it. And it's like a regional current affairs program, and they did some sort of uh, recreation of uh, it was something to do with drug deals, wasn't it? I think <laughs> it was drug deals and copied DVDs yeah, and all. Like to disassociate ourselves from that right away. Who was it that put that magazine in that drawer? We'd love to know. Podcast at the squareball.net. Do tell us. So, talking points away from uh, the administration side of the club last couple of weeks, um, Paul Dickoff's come in finally and we're all thoroughly underwhelmed, aren't we? What an impact. (laughs) (laughs) I I felt a bit sorry for him against Brentford. He came on and had people smashing the ball for him to try and win headers, which he was never ever going to do. He didn't really get booked for within the first minute of coming on as well he came on for a throw and started like pulling someone's shirt and generally upsetting people which is I suppose is what we've got him for mm. trying a bit of the gradles come on go on go and stir things up lad and then immediately walking off the pitch in shame <laughs> and we've made him feel at home by uh, turning that song around yeah the, the uh, she said no dick off obviously relating back to his uh, his alleged involvement in, in alleged. that raping uh, what was it called the manga, the manga. yeah uh, when we, we sang to him before didn't we she said no dick off obviously that now very pro dick off as we are uh, she, she said, said yes, yes dick off she said yes so no news there then really about uh, little dicky he's uh, he's here tolerate him I guess <laughs> <laughs> it's good the friendly Yorkshire yeah. folk <laughs> <laughs> Another huge fan's favourite, uh, Jermaine Beckford, just being named uh, League One Player of the Year. And third best player in, in all three divisions. Right. Um, it's the way they've done it. So it, they did it quite strangely. They did a top 100 players, and because he's third on that list, that means he is, by default, the League One Player of the Year. Right. And it's strange how nobody seems to be particularly pleased. I'm pleased. I'm pleased as well. I'm pleased. I think it's about time he got some credit. He gets, he gets virtually none from Leeds fans, despite his... Uh, Constant goal scoring, <laughs> dickhead. <laughs> we like strikers who run around and never score. Alan, give us Alan Smith. We could start a campaign and take that award off him and give it to Alan Smith just uh, so that the justice is right. It has been a problem going back to Viduka as well that people didn't like him because he appeared to just score goals. So what can, what can we say then? Uh, well done. Cheers, Jermaine. Thanks for the memories. Well, let's. <laughs> Yeah. Good luck in the future. We've got ten games left, Jermaine. Please score more often. More games like Tranmere. Um, people should bear in mind that he's not really a player that you can rate in terms of performance because all he does is, if there's a chance, he either scores or he doesn't. And so I always get a bit suspicious if people come away and say, oh, I thought Beckford was rubbish today. I think, well, what exactly did he do that you didn't like? And then they can't really express it. But then also when people say, oh, Beckford was brilliant today, um, well, he scored some goals, so he just sort of did what he what he, he should do. So he's he's a strange player to quantify, and um, in a sense, I think we should maybe just stop doing it and yeah. just accept that he's the number nine, and um, he will score goals more often than he won't. I think well, we're going to see what he's really like next season because if the you know the rumored move to the Premier League, be it Everton or West Ham, materialises, we'll see just how good he is or isn't, won't we? I hope he's more appreciated wherever he ends up. <laughs> I feel I feel bad for him sometimes. <laughs> I think I'm in a minority, really, in in my love of him. Uh, he's not 
he, like I say, he really isn't a very well-liked player. Even uh, people like Housen, who were awful all the time, he, he started to get a bit of stick now. <laughs> you can't stand these one-eyed, myopic Leeds fans who hate single out <laughs> a particular player for hate. But it's for a reason. Unless Housen's never done anything. <laughs> Housen's made passed the ball to Beckford once, and that's all he's fucking done. But what about Carlisle? Oh, Remember yeah. Carlisle? <laughs> Well, I think we should we should definitely tie up part two there with all that pitchfork waving and uh, and anger. Uh, <laughs> probably need to calm down, and we'll come back all rocked up, amps plugged in, guitars and all that uh, after this short musical interlude. Simon from the Kaiser Chiefs coming up next. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Welcome along to the podcast. Hello, it's nice to be here. Uh, thanks for joining us as well. Um, so you're the one that plays bass in the Kaiser Chiefs, this right, yeah? This is correct. You're, you're the one that gets to stand there looking cool while the others all break sweat around you, yeah? Uh, <laughs> yeah, sort of jump up and down, act silly as well sometimes, depending on how good the gig is. Uh, what's going on with the Kaiser Chiefs then at the minute? Let's, uh, what are you up to? Not much. We're on holiday. Uh, we're all had, we did Leeds Fest, that was our last gig, uh, which was really good. And then we've had, since then, off, and we've done a bit, and kind of getting started again. We've got to, you know, get on with it. Like another album in the pipeline and That's all that it, yeah. writing and rehearsing and all that sort of Probably stuff. Probably not till next year though, so uh, we've got plenty of time. Just, just having a you're just having a good time. I'm gonna go to Australia, have a good time basically, and then uh, yeah, get back. You've got to get back to it really. Write some songs. It's, it doesn't sound very hard, does it? But fairly difficult. We're we're all artists as well in this podcast. We understand. <laughs> we do understand. <laughs> uh, so it's gonna give you a bit more time to watch watch the whites, then I guess. Definitely, yeah. It's, uh, I thought this was gonna be the season where I got to watch every game home and away, and then. We didn't get to watch the beginning of the season because it was uh, we were still touring, and then uh, yeah, I've got to go to Australia. I don't have to go. <laughs> Chosen to go, but I mean, missing some games. But uh, I was thinking at the time that they were so far clear, it was going to be easy. 
I remember saying to some of my friends that Norwich were the best side, the only side there were any problem with Norwich. And they were so far behind that they had no chance. Well, as, uh, I, welcome I, to the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Story of our life. Yeah. Just a, a litany of disappointments. Yeah. You Never say it. That's the, it's the rule that I should st- stick by. Well, it, it is the one year, isn't it, where you, we've kind of we thought, hang on a second, this is very unleads like to just plough off in front and uh, cruise towards promotion. And uh, and lo and behold, turn of the year. Did you uh, did you make it to the Man United game then? I did. Yeah, yeah, we went to that. It was really. Uh, it was a great moment. Whereabouts did you watch it then? Were you in the fans or doing it the old prawn sandwich way? No, no, we were with the fans. Decided quite a while ago. We used to. Uh, this was in the Ken Bates era as well. We used to get quite a lot of free tickets when we were first kind of getting uh, bigger. And uh, for some reason, decided. I think it's the opposite of what most people, other people think, that we should be putting some money in the club because it's you know it's nicer, isn't it? To put some money back. So all bought season tickets. In fact, I think quite a few of us have got two because we're stupid. <laughs> and uh, so yeah, and uh, just it's much better sitting with the fans. Uh, it's so much better than sitting with you know the uh, people who pay a lot of money. Although the toilets are better there, <laughs> but that's the only thing that's better. You know, having a sing. I love going away. It's brilliant. I've been quite a few times. Also, the Man U match was brilliant, and Tottenham in the FA Cup. They were both really special because I think everyone. All the fans are really determined to show the uh, Premiership fans that the Leeds fans are the best, aren't they? Oh, yeah. So it's just non-stop singing. It ruined our season, though, didn't it? Uh, it did a little bit. Well, let's not say that so early. Well, I know, but it's just you get that horrible sinking feeling, don't you, being a Leeds fan? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I good. don't know what it was, really. A lot of matches in a row. And I was really looking forward to... I spent quite a lot of time in London at the moment for various reasons. Going to Wembley is always good, and especially as it's uh, as I, as I say... I'm in London quite a lot, so it's another Leeds match that's easy to get to. And uh, they failed on that one as well for me. I will not care if I don't ever see Wembley again, to be honest, as a Leeds fan. There's always the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, that's, what, yeah, that's exactly why I don't want to see Wembley uh, again, ever. Uh, I'd love them to go Wembley, though, and break that jinx, and I thought that JPT thing was an ideal opportunity, like a no-pressure situation of break the jinx, go down there and just have a good day out and win it if you can. I think you're underestimating the the importance of the JPT. <laughs> underestimating be- or overestimating? Underestimating. It's a beautiful competition with an elegant trophy at the end. You get like a quid for winning it as well. <laughs> <laughs> so you played football with the proper Kaiser Chiefs, didn't you, in South Africa? I remember seeing it on the telly. Yeah, we did, yeah, it was good. At the time. So what, what was that like? Lucas, it's all Lucas-based. He was amazing. And he's an amazing man, which I think everyone knows in sports leads. And so we went to South Africa and he knew we were coming and then... Uh, he sent some some Kaiser Chiefs fans at the airport singing and dancing when we got there <laughs> and then uh, I went off to the hotel met Lucas and he took us to Soweto he took us to the street he got shot he showed us his old house and uh, all the people on the street around his house where he used to live all wearing Leeds kit <laughs> <laughs> he didn't live in Beeston by any chance with all these shootings <laughs> <laughs> And then, uh, yeah, when we went off to the training ground to Kaiser Chiefs training ground and uh, played on the team and uh, Lucas got involved and uh, I think they beat us in the end but my friend Tim uh, who's actually a Carlisle fan unfortunately for me how many uh, fingers has he got? <laughs> <laughs> he's got three eyes but he nutmeg Lucas and that is honestly he has not stopped talking about it since uh, another sort of uh, 
mix-up you've had with uh, professionalism then recently uh, worth mentioning the Leeds uh, fans remembrance match uh, in memory of Kevin Spate and Christopher Loftus they're uh, raising money for the Candlelight charity and you got involved with that haven't you you were, uh, you were involved with that match yeah I think uh, we did a couple of things before I think we got a staying guitar and stuff and then they asked us to play in the match I, can't remember, I don't even know who asked us actually but uh, it sounded like a good idea I'm not that good at football and I just saw that I thought we were going to be playing against ex-professionals I was like, ah, no way. <laughs> but I'll do something else. So did you, so did you, did you not play then? You were the manager? Yeah. Oh, you could have booked yourself a place on the plane with Beckham out. <laughs> I'm more of a defender because, you know, reading the game from the back, yeah. But uh, it was a great day, I thought. Out that, really good. And I thought, I, turned, I just wore a suit, basically, and stood around. And shouted a bit and pointed. And that was good. <laughs> that was my level. But I thought Nick, uh, Nick and Whitey played. They did very well. But to be fair, it is amazing how good, you know, the ex-professionals still are. Even, I don't know. Even the ones who are carrying a bit of timber, is, what, is that what you're hinting yeah. at? <laughs> you know, like, I mean, I thought Simon Grayson gave Johnny Housen a lesson in passing. <laughs> you know, he's just got the ball and was like, right, I'm going to pass to him, straight to him. Or even great long balls over the top and all sorts of stuff. It was, I honestly wish some of the Leeds' current team had turned up. Yeah. Maybe we need him in the team. Yeah, <laughs> running the midfield. Get the boss back in. Yeah, yeah he was great. I mean, and obviously they're not as fast as maybe they were. Anybody in particular stand out out of the uh, the ex pros that you, that were that were playing? Grayson was good. Uh, Andy Ritchie missed a lot of chances. <laughs> he had 19 golden opportunities and didn't score, so he was a bit disappointing. <laughs> but Neil Redfern, oh, he was a guy. Neil Redfern was amazing. He still plays, doesn't he? Lower league football. I don't know. Is, is he not quite a big boy now? He's quite big. Yeah. But I think he still plays, and he's obviously the, I think he's the under 18s coach, and he was just brilliant. When did your involvement with Leeds first happen? And when did you fall in love with the club and start going? Well, I like I played Leeds from about, I was about seven or eight. The first, I got the first kit I know is the Burton, you know, V-neck. Yeah. It's a great kit. It was a very stylish kit. And the away one was good as well, the blue and yellow yeah, one. very nice as well. I have to try and get one of those, but I have failed. It's really expensive. Old kit is really expensive. Anyway, yeah, post on my wall and all that kind of thing. And I used to go a little bit, but my dad wasn't really that into football, so he didn't really take me. So I had to rely on other people's dads taking me. So I went a little bit uh, and then just supported Leeds since then, really. And uh, to be honest, during, like, secondary school, so kind of after we won the league, onwards until maybe about three or five years I didn't really I went a little bit but very rarely and I was that was kind of a, I suppose I was getting more into music and a lot of playing guitar and going to gigs and all that kind of thing uh, and then I only really got back into it properly and started going again all the time really I went to college in Leeds kind of city centre so all the lads there were totally mad for going to Leeds so I started going again The gig you played at Ellen Road uh, before the playoff final um, I've sort of got in my notes here rock and roll and football have always been pretty easy bedfellows but what was it like on a personal level how did you find it you sort of find yourself uh, thinking oh I'm above the South Stand goalie it's where Eddie Gray scored against Burnley or where Strachan scored against Leicester in 1990 did anything like that ever cross your mind whilst you were playing well two brilliant things one was that we owned Ellen Road for the, like, the weekend so we could do what we wanted so we went in all the nooks and crannies see what's going on we did an interview at, in front of the boards you know and all that <laughs> So that was good. And then the other thing was, I went in uh, on the Friday afternoon, we had a sound check. And so I went and I sat right in the middle of the cop, wherever he stands, in the, I think, maybe. And uh, just looked down and thought about it. It was amazing because it was obviously empty, pretty much empty apart from us. You know, football stadiums when they're empty, I think, are amazing as well as wonderful. 
and uh, thought about all the kind of stuff that happened at Ellen Road, all the yeah, great goals that have been scored and uh, momentous occasions. And then now it was us. We were playing there and our stage there and there's a massive KC at the back there and stuff. It, was, it felt amazing. And the gig was all right as well. <laughs> so how, how about the lows for the following day? Oh, that was a bit disappointing, wasn't it? It was just, it, you know... Did you did you hot foot it down to Wembley then after uh, after the gig? Well, it was like that. We had a really great arrangement where we did the gig and we got on. We've got a tour bus that's our bus, so we went down, got in the bus, uh, and then we had arranged to get uh, get out at Wembley Arena, uh, have a shower and all that kind of thing, and some breakfast and all that at Wembley Arena, and then uh, go across to the game, and uh, so it was all good. And we were like playing football in Wembley Arena in the morning. Uh, <laughs> and uh, singing lead songs and then uh, went across and obviously after about 10 minutes I think everyone had that thinking feeling yeah I think I think everybody is probably very reminiscent of everyone's experiences of it because I think it was a fantastic day out up until about 2.59 wasn't it <laughs> yeah we all enjoyed it I uh, particularly enjoyed after Lord Mulwini where he came out <laughs> and uh, if you took it from like an outsider's point of view like, why are they all so booing this old man <laughs> so much? It's like proper hatred, and you just like look at him. He's just some old man, but you know, obviously there is some history and all that. But I just thought it was quite funny that. Should have, but, uh, they should have played. I predict a riot, shouldn't they? Well, uh, that was that was a thing about the Man United match, right? We got there ridiculously early because we were on some kind of official coach. We were in the ground at like I don't know, quarter past eleven or something. So we stood there, there's not really anyone there, but uh, they put I predict a riot on <laughs> and they got about 15 seconds in and just enough time for me to go, oh, well, I can't believe they're playing this. And all the Leeds fans had just realised and started singing. <laughs> they turned it off and then they put like, uh, I can't remember, something dreadful on. Leanna Lewis, I think it was, or something like that. Simply red, maybe. <laughs> it's probably like, what a massive error by someone. Someone's getting sacked. <laughs> When we were doing the Ellen Rogue gig, actually, something about the Ellen Rogue gig that was good. Oh, it was bad, actually. We were looking for support bands, right? We were going through, going, no, my new fans, no, my new fans. <laughs> <laughs> Not everyone's a my new fan. It's annoying. And of course, the arena's coming soon as well, so that'd be nice. You've yeah, got, oh, surely, you know, assuming all you know things being equal, Touchwood and everything, that you're still uh, together and performing, then you've got to be the band to open it, surely. I presume we'll be opening it, yes. I mean, asked, but yeah, yeah. that's probably quite a big presumption, isn't it? Hopefully, we'll get to open it. That'll be good. We be opened good. the academy, and that was uh, that was really good. Uh, looking ahead a couple of years uh, down the line, where do you see the club going in in the next few years? Go on, neck on the line time. Well, uh, in the next two or three years. Just would love to be in the championship. I think it's just hate League One because it's. Uh, actually, I love it and hate it equally. Discussing this the other day because I love winning every week when we're winning, <laughs> but then I hate losing to Exeter. It's just embarrassing. Another thing I was discussing is the Premiership. I think is now, even though it's meant to be good football. I was talking to a Wigan fan the other day. He obviously beat Liverpool and he was really pleased. I was like, yeah, but what's it? What do you? What are you thinking for the club? What are you thinking? He's like, well, there's nothing to do. You can never win anything. If you're a Wigan fan, you're just there and you're looking for 10th place, maybe 7th place, maybe getting Europe, but never probably making it. They're just making up the numbers. It's just like, it's so boring, that. You know, with teams like Bolton and Stoke, we're just set up to survive from day one. That's it. And, you know, I think every Leeds fan wants to be back in the Premiership. Everyone wants to be playing the big teams and uh, going to, you know, all the good grounds and hopefully, you know, maybe getting Europe and, you know, get back to doing that because that's, you know, good fun. But equally, at the end of it, 
if you can never win anything, it's a shame. But would you think we've got the possibility of winning stuff though? If we got back with the resources, the fan base, and so on, that um, maybe we might be able to break that stranglehold. Because you know the top four is not impenetrable as this season's proven. No, no, it's money though, isn't it? It's just we've got to be ripe for a takeover though. If we uh... well, yeah, that's the only way. And but equally, I think you know, as Leeds fans, and with all the debt and everything, all the issues we've had over the last kind of few years, do you want someone to come in and just spend? Do you want to spend fifty million pounds on players and? I don't know, have players earning 150 grand a week at your club? I don't know. I, I kind of do. Cause I want to see the best possible football island road. But not at the price of the horrible Premier League, in a way. Yeah, equally, yeah. Just yeah. like... Uh, just going on to that and takeovers and whatnot, what, what do you think about this uh, this whole transparency issue on the on the ownership? I think it'd be good to know, wouldn't it? I think it'd be good to know who owns the club, I think. But equally, uh, all I think is as long as Leeds are, you know profitable and not in too much debt then that's a good thing I think I think that's just the, that's the main number one thing for me mm. and also I think I've thought about this before I thought you know if someone had come to me and said you know would you like to you know own a bit of Leeds United I'd be like you know if I could afford it I'd love to but equally if everyone knew every time I go to Ellen Road I'd just be getting abuse <laughs> <laughs> but why I hadn't bought this so I hadn't, why I hadn't done that so I can sort of understand why people might not want to be you know exposed but equally I think it would be. I think it'd just be good if it was, you know, one person owned Leeds and that was it. You think psychologically, from a fan's point of view, it's it's more of a comforting thing, isn't it? Than it wouldn't really change anything if we knew. It's just a case of knowing. Yeah, and also it's just. I think it's a weird thing that Ken Bates doesn't own it because he's the chairman and he's in charge and he makes all the decisions. Well, he should own it. That's how it should be. Well, he might. Yeah, might. And it depends whether he can remember which way uh, yeah. the story goes in court. Well, that's the thing about the non-ownership of it is that I think if. Some people own it and they just don't want to know and the reasons they don't want people to know are, you know, kind of honourable or whatever, then that's fine. I kind of respect their privacy. But if the reason that no one wants to know and knows where it owns is because it's just murky, tax-avoiding dodginess, then I think they should expose whoever owns it. Amen to that. Don't you love Ken Bates' programme notes? Well, we were discussing this actually in the previous section on the podcast. Yeah, we we just done a bit on it. Um, they're, they're entertaining, if not uh, a little bizarre sometimes, yeah. I love this section and uh, we are uh, suing Anna... A midwife in uh, Stockton because she owes us £119.47. pence. So it's really specific, you know, it's like, who needs to know this stuff? Maybe it's just because this is one last shot I have in an audience. Yeah, probably, maybe, yeah. I think it's totally funny, but, uh, yeah. What do you think about Beckford's got this player of the league? Player of the year, yeah, yeah. A third best player in their football mm-hmm. league, apparently. Yeah, again, again, we were just discussing that on the previous section. What was the uh, outcome? Dubious. Um, <laughs> yeah, well done to him. Uh, I'm sure he'll enjoy it when he's not playing for us next year. <laughs> <laughs> we just want some goals from him for the last ten games. Get his eye back on the ball, and uh, I think we, we're a little bit sympathetic to his plight. The fact that he gets a lot of stick from uh, from the fans, but um, some of it, a lot of it, undeserved because he scores a lot of goals, doesn't he? Definitely. I think you might have mentioned this on your podcast before, actually, but I'm going to say anyway. What I think about it is weird, is that I go to Leeds and I watch them, right? And I only watch, uh, like, five away games of the season, I'd say, and most home games, right? That's how much I watch Leeds. Now, I know that Beckford never wins a header, or very rarely, but if you put the ball in front of him to run onto, he nine times out of ten, he scores. Yeah, we were, so, saying, we were saying much <laughs> the same sort of thing. Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Logic, you know, like training. In, on the training ground, I'm like, should we try this, lads? <laughs> so you've had your taste as a bit of management now. Now do you want to take over at Leeds? <laughs> you don't be offered a coaching role from Grayson. Just uh, 
he's brilliant, I think, Simon Grayson. I really like him, but I just think there's a few things like that where uh, you think you wonder what's going on. But I think it's the players, though, really, because like Lubo, I mean, I think he's he has got some skill you can see occasionally, but when he's at the 18-yard box, he just boots it. That's mm. it. A bit like Dubry or something. Do you think it's a, it's a symptom of uh, of League One football and teams just setting out to Harriers? I think it's just a symptom of like yeah, uh, not quick enough thinking. You know, if you've got Rooney, he's you know thought about it and done it in a second. Whereas Lubo's just about got it under control after five. So that's what you get for thirty million quid, isn't it? <laughs> Versus uh, Lubo, what is he half a million or something? Let's talk about Eddie White because I love him. He went to my school, you see. So uh, and I met him. There's, we went back to school one day about two years ago back to our old school there's two kids there one has got a training a scholarship at Man United one's got one at Leeds United so we're obviously encouraging the Leeds guy <laughs> and booing the Man U guy and then uh, a little bit later I was at Leeds and this guy goes uh, this is when Eddie White played a few games under Macca this guy goes oh it's a bit different to St Mary isn't it and I was like ah looks at him and I was like yeah you and within about five months he'd got himself in the Leeds first team <laughs> totally amazing and I just think, I don't know, he's got his chance now, finally, hasn't he, which is brilliant. But uh, whenever he gets the ball, it's exciting. And he wants to, I mean, it's bad for a defender, I suppose, but like, he wants to just take people on and does. So no doubt he'll be, he'll be sold to Villa in a couple of years. Do you think you could help him with this nervous problem that he's reported to have, so he can't yeah. finish a game because he gets nerves and gets cramp? is what Simon Grayson said to me as well but he's trying Simon's like he was deliberately like holding him back I think like keeping him in a more defensive role to try and help this out and he finished 90 minutes didn't he the other day mm. but you've played at Elland Road in front of a big crowd yeah. <laughs> give him a few hints <laughs> oh I think I would say listen to when I'm watching Leeds as well just take them on they're rubbish <laughs> <laughs> if you just run at like 95% of League One players they don't know what to do Sim- simple pace yeah we do lack a bit of pace don't we we've got Max Gradle but he's a bit mad oh, he's insane isn't he <laughs> but yeah Aidan oh, White is the answer well hopefully well, fingers, fingers crossed then that we that we managed to do it alright final question then do you reckon we are going to do it yeah definitely I think it's good enough to be second isn't it now but uh, I think there's a couple of difficult games Millwall at home is going to be difficult and Norwich away but I think you know they know they've got to do it the players so championship football next season yeah definitely and we need some money sorry not some money some new players yeah, so going back to Aiden White that's the thing I always think about Aiden White as well he's just so disappointing is he got left back Ben Parker definitely played him right fine Andy Hughes did manfully well in that position for half a season Aiden White sat there everyone knows he's got great skill but maybe he's a bit you know lightweight and then suddenly Lowry comes in and also that other guy from Cardiff who came in for a few matches Capaldi and you're like, they're just awful, awful footballers. Why are you picking them ahead of people, young, gifted, Leeds United fans who can play left-back? Did you say all this to Grayson, by the way, when you were speaking to him? <laughs> <laughs> should have done, I shouldn't I should have got myself together. Anyway. <laughs> One manager to another. Just, uh, I'll send him the podcast. <laughs> well, Simon, thank you very much for joining us on the podcast. Yeah, brilliant. I hope v- to come again. Very entertaining chat. Yeah, you're more than welcome. Come and join us in the studio next time you're in Leeds. Definitely. And we'll speak to you soon. Take care. All right. Cheers. Bye-bye. And there he goes then, Simon Ricks from the Kaiser Chiefs. And we will end part three there. Back in a moment with part four. (laughs) 
And here we are then, back again, part four, final part of the Square Ball podcast. Have a look forward to what's coming up in the next fortnight. Uh, and in this section, normally we'd be previewing three, maybe four games, but there's only two in the next fortnight. A nice welcome rest for the lads. We've got uh, Millwall, the Monday night game, live on Sky. That's the, uh, the day that the next um, magazine comes out, isn't it? Uh, followed by Norwich away. Our thoughts on this, gents? Zero oh, points. <laughs> Lose both of them. Yeah. I feel about a rest for the lads, but I'm glad it's going to be minimal damage for the next fortnight. Yeah. I'm quite relieved. Not much going on. Yeah, I'm really worried now because Millwall are actually within striking distance of us almost. Particularly once we lose to them, then lose to Norwich, then we'll be on, we'll be on level points, and it'll be uh, it'll be all over. Someone cheer me up. Someone's meant to disagree with that. But I, I don't am. Know. No, I'm, I'm right behind you. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not. I'm, I'm no, I'm not. I don't want to stick my neck on the line because I equally share your fears and uh, and panic. But I've got a feeling we'll, we might beat Millwall because we're on telly, and I don't know. I've just got a funny feeling. Those playoff finals that were televised <laughs> went down a treat. I don't know, I'm worried. They, they just seem to do quite well against us. And it, it's come at a really bad time. We could have done with someone like Brentford or Wickham. <laughs> a nice, easy home game. Yeah. <laughs> well, if the, only we could play Tranmere every week. It would have been better if we could have gone into them with some form if 4-1 hadn't turned into Southampton. But if you'd, if we shifted time around and said that Southampton Millwall and Norwich was a sequence of three we were really just looking to get anything out of and we've started with nothing on the south coast we're on course though yeah so we're <laughs> yeah but if you'd have said at the start of the season ten games to go five points clear of, uh, of third you're in second place in one of the promotion spots you got those games coming up. Yeah, but... We would have taken that. Yeah. We would take that, but that's because you haven't said that we would be playing like shit. So, I don't know if anything that Leeds have actually done gives you... Th- well, maybe the Tramier game, but that's Tramier, so that's like they almost don't count. You just don't have the feeling at the moment that Leeds are going to use this position and then just play well enough to actually win against these games. It's not like there's any momentum in the position we're in. It's, we're backsliding and have been backsliding for a while. The disappointing thing with the Southampton game was they were really worthy winners. They should have won by more, and we didn't actually have I don't think we had a single shot on target. Snodgrass had one in injury time that was almost close to the net, but I, looking at it from the other angle, it seemed a lot closer when I was there. When I seen the replant, it wasn't really. And that's the best we managed to muster in the entire game, um, which does worry me quite a bit, really, when, when you're playing against good sides, um, which... Undoubtedly, Norwich and Millwall both are. Yeah, I was quite—I was almost blasé earlier in the season about us strengthening in January because I thought, with us being top of the league already um, and not really looking like we had many problems, I thought, well, just a, a, a bit here and there. We have tinkering, just a little tinkering. Yeah, yeah, but then you look at um, what Southampton have got by spending millions of pounds on football players and what Norwich will have by having spent decent amounts of money on football players and they've ended up being better than we are and so really Millwall's the one that we've got to look at One positive that could come out with the Millwall game is if we do beat them that should effectively kill off their promotion challenge because we'll be three games ahead of them with better goal difference so that should be another kind of rival ruled out um, even from that point of view, even a draw probably wouldn't be so bad because it'd, uh, it'd prevent the, the kind of swing that a win for them would bring um, but I just you fear the worst. No, <coughs> Fearing the worst. I just don't really expect anything for some reason. It's, um, it's but then Leeds United can surprise you. We didn't expect anything at Old Trafford. Our one fleeting <laughs> brush with glory, and and they pulled that out. 
Well, the danger is we won't be able to enjoy that win if we don't go up, and it'll be almost forgotten. But to be fully enjoy that, we've got to go. It'll up be a good few years until yeah. we can enjoy it if, if right, we don't yeah. go up. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It seems to have created a massive. Hang. It's just not a hangover anymore, is it? It's just completely disrupted everything that we had going. It's and even I mean, you could still sensibly argue that it didn't. Even if it didn't directly affect what happened, you can still draw the line that that is the point where it went wrong. Well, Moscow, you uh, touched on it last time that we we play the teams that come and pack the defences and do stuff to us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but when we play the better teams, we should be allowed to play. But we didn't do that against Southampton. Yeah, I discounted the fact that our players are crap. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's where it let, lets on. us down. I think we're missing we're missing something in midfield. Um, and it's probably got to change, but I don't know, change to what? Because we tried Kilkenny and Johnson, and it looked all right for half an hour, and now we've gone back to um, House and, and Doyle, which looks all right-ish at the start of the season. And now, what can you change it to to change the team? I think that it's a bit unfortunate, really, for Kilkenny and Johnson because that got disposed of within like you know a game of it not working whereas Housen and Doyle has not worked on loads of occasions and yet he just keeps keeps going with it which I think is, so I think it's a bit harsh on him really um, personally I'd be tempted to kind of keep it simple and go with Kilkenny and, uh, and Doyle for the next game just because I think I think Kilkenny's probably our best central midfielder um, we looked a lot better when he came on against Southampton he's He's calm. He looks for the ball off the defence. He picks it up when in awkward situations, and he keeps hold of it. And he supplies Beckford most importantly, doesn't he? Yeah. Whereas I, I just don't really see that Johnson's a bit kind of all action and maybe not quite doesn't quite have the quality. Um, but I'd put I'd bring him back in on the left just so we've got more of a defensive side on there because McSheffrey's he's fine when we're uh, you know when we're attacking but against teams that have come out as like Southampton did he was absolutely useless he just didn't look to get involved at all when we didn't have the ball which was in the first half was never <laughs> but Johnson's lost his way since he come back from injury he's not at the start of the season he was on fire mm. was playing well mm. not scoring goals but he's he won't get it back out the team though will he he's got to play to get and I would agree put him on the left wing instead of McSheff we just go back to what worked at the start of the season mm. um, that was Housen and Doyle though yeah. they're, <laughs> both, they're both quite badly out of form I would say at the moment but I was going to say but without Housen because <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I agree I think Kilkenny is the one player you sort of um, with what Simon Ricks was just saying he, he has the sort of the common sense to play the ball properly to the strikers instead of just cluelessly hoofing it at them. And I think he's, he's got to be a better option than uh, Johnny at the moment. So all this, all this doom and gloom, let's put a positive spin, pick something positive out of this coming fortnight. If we beat Millwall, things actually look quite good, regardless of what happens at Norwich. That's the positive spin to put on it. I think Norwich, we've got to really write them off and say they, they are going to win it in all probability. If we beat Millwall, that's, we're almost It's there. a step in the right direction, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Because you've seen how Charlton and Colchester and Swindon are all struggling to string anything re- resembling a decent run together. And it'd be such a shame if we somehow managed to fail in spite of their awfulness. Well, the next podcast is going to be out on Tuesday, the 30th of March. And um, we'll do a, a preview of the stuff coming up in the Easter period. But it's worth mentioning, after the uh, the Millwall and Norwich games, we've got Swindon and then Yeovil away again in very, very quick succession in that first weekend in April. We'll look, we'll look at them properly in the... Uh, 
in the next pod, but it's probably uh, it's worth paying heed to them now a little bit, isn't it? Because it forms a very important sequence of games, particularly the Swindon one. They've fallen away a little bit, but you know after they give us a bit of a shoeing down there, didn't they? Like, yeah, it's, uh, games like that at the top, they're the six-pointer traditional kind of, uh, you know, it can turn things all around. We've just got to hope that by then maybe they're a bit further back. And that said, two more games down the line, they're only going to be eight left, and you really are on the on the finishing stretch then, aren't you, on the home stretch? Who plans these fixtures, by the way? How come we've got to play two games in three days? And it's then Easter, Easter. Easter. We've, got, we've got massive gaps, though, all about the place. It seems it's Jesus's a bit fault. ridiculous. <laughs> it's the thing. Jesus died so that we had to play Swindon and Yeovil in three days, and we're supposed <laughs> to be grateful. Um, well, hopefully we'll be able to resurrect our form. And uh, thank you, you sent me up there, and I, I, I executed that. Uh, very very badly um, yeah so we'll look ahead to Leeds Swindon and uh, Yeovil Leeds which again we're going to be on Sky again on uh, is that Easter Monday I presume then because it's it a is. Monday night yeah yep. nice uh, half 12 kick off good for the uh, good for the travelling fans <laughs> they're very considerate to us aren't they the Somerset police I think we've played them on a Friday night a Tuesday night and um, midday on a Monday now the, bob- the bobbies in Yeovil really don't want Leeds really in town I think now there's not any trouble either there's, there's no one we could fight with no one actually cares on either side of the on either side. In the first year I went down there, there was their stand was full of Leeds fans, and no one no one even gave a shit then. They probably don't want people to go out scrumping too much at the over the Easter holidays. Just seems um, a massive overreaction. Yeah, well, we're used to it, aren't we? In this division, we seem to be getting it everywhere now that Leeds roll into town and the coppers roll out in force, don't they? I might challenge my mates to try and get arrested in Yeovil as well. <laughs> Um, all right, well, we'll leave that there. Two games to, uh, I use the term reservedly, look forward to, Leeds versus Millwall, and then we've got Norwich away. Um, and as we said in the last podcast, another fortnight down the line, we're probably going to have a, a better idea about what's going to happen, and we'll probably be even more panic-stricken in a fortnight. So, yeah, if you want to get in touch with us, share your grief and angst, uh, podcast at thesquareball.net. Find us on Facebook and Twitter as well. Uh, current issue of the Squareball magazine has sold out, uh, but the new edition is out. Uh, on sale for the Millwall game Monday the 22nd uh, stuff that's in that does somebody want to uh, enlighten us with uh, what's going to be contained within the mag there's a great season ticket rant in there it's um, as you mentioned you mentioned it earlier but um, it's properly unhinged it's uh, <laughs> I think you've had to chop a few bits yeah. out as well but it's brilliant brilliant stuff um, what else is in there's, there? There's a good article, um, Lust for Leeds. It's uh, a bit of a nostalgia piece by uh, a guy called Steve Firth who just sent it in for, uh, to us on Spec Action. It's really good. Uh, nice little two-pager. You could probably read it in the half-time break, I'd say. It's about when he fell in love with Leeds in 1973 with the cup final against um, Sunderland. Not much else to fall in love with, but uh, it's, a, it's a good, interesting piece, that. And uh, page three is uh, a mature uh, page three this time, isn't it? I don't know. Has our page three ever been mature? <laughs> well, the whole page three thing is a bit immature, but yeah, it's, it's, Simon, got, a, it's Simon got a fair Grayson. way to go to beat 78 year old Ken Bates, who was in there <laughs> earlier in the season. Well, yeah, it's 40 year old Simon Grayson. Going yeah. at the mid market. Yeah, this yeah. time out. Um, some really highbrow stuff uh, in, the, in the Square Ball magazine. Uh, Moscow, tell us a little bit briefly about your uh, your uh, season by season continuing. We're at 1997-98 now. Tell us about the season when uh, Jimmy Floyd crashed onto the scene. <laughs> crashed is a nice choice <laughs> of word. Um, I think after all the after all the ownership issues and Caspian and sacking Wilkinson and getting rid of Father B the previous season, this year looked more like a football club again. Um, with some new signings that weren't exactly glamorous but were good. And Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank in particular, considering he came from nowhere. Well, Portugal is somewhere, but to us it seemed like nowhere and was absolutely fantastic, um, almost in the, the 
moment he touched down. Um, but then things going on in the background, like um, planes crashing, um, George Graham... Um, Batting his eyelashes at Spurs. Yes, just inching his way back down south. So there's a bit of that in there as well. But, uh, yeah, it's well good. I wrote it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And also in there, a little piece, Chairman's Choice. I don't know why they've stopped doing that at Ellen Road. If if you don't get to Ellen Road, you won't know what this was. But for a a period, a season or two back, they um, had a piece of music on at half-time called Chairman's Choice, which Ken used to, I think we used to let him choose every every week, didn't we? Some some nice, bizarre pieces in there, The Only Way Is Up and stuff like that. Anyway, uh, done a little spoof piece on that. There's some in, pig in farmers the one once. There I can't remember what it was. Yeah, it was in support of uh, Yorkshire pig farmers. I think you were having a uh, a bit of a difficult time flogging their bacon. I think I don't know. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> well, hey, that, I mean, is that a euphemism? <laughs> believe it or yeah, believe it or not, believe it or not, I've actually got a program from a week or two after that where the Yorkshire pig farmer fella wrote a nice letter to Ken Bates, which he published. Um, which is probably largely irrelevant to the overwhelming majority of the rest of us, but uh, it was nice. Let's explain why Ken, for his birthday party, had a suckling pig served with a pineapple shoved up his ass. Do you think it was it was a bit of uh, payola from the Pig Farmers Association? <laughs> and if you'd like to get your hands on the magazine, you can buy it online at thesquareball.net, same place to get subscriptions for the season, although there aren't that many issues left now, so uh, you can get the back issues on there as well. Uh, chat forum too, um, and get in touch with us, podcast at thesquareball.net via email as well I think that just about wraps it up so uh, thank you once again Radio Air for the studio use and uh, my fellow band members in this very rock and roll uh, edition of the Square Ball podcast Michael Normanton I'll see you <laughs> uh, Daniel Chapman Moscow White say bye 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 and Paul O'Dowd Oddy ta-ra ta-ra yeah we're back uh, Tuesday the 30th of March previews of Swindon Yeovil and Southend and we hope to speak to you then to buy the Squareball magazine, get back issues and podcasts, visit thesquareball.net. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.